we've um, we've been going through uh, the Psalms here uh, throughout the summer. And this is our, our fifth week, and uh, last week we began the, this journey through Psalm 42 that we um, stopped and, and we'll pick up um, in, in pick up on on today. I remember um, hearing a story about one of our, our our guys, Eugene, when he I think he was in college. Um, he was I think he was coming back from a retreat or something like that or a mission trip, and and um, the vehicle that was transporting him and, and all of his friends back was too small, and they were going to a mall to, to shop or to eat or something like that. And so, um, yeah, being the humble servant that he is, he volunteered to go in the trunk of the car. Um, I don't know. This is something that is was popular in, in college days, but probably not very safe. Um, it's not probably. It's actually very unsafe. Um, don't do it. If you need, an, if you need a, another car, call a taxi or call somebody. Uh, but he went in the trunk of the car, and um, you know, when you're in the trunk, you can kind of hear people talking and stuff like that. And so they were making their turns, and they get to the mall, and so the engine turns off. They come to a stop, and, and Eugene is very relieved that he can finally get out of the stuffy, hot, humid uh, trunk of the car. And so um, people, they're talking, talking, having a good time. They get out of the car. They close the door. He can hear their voices outside now, and he's waiting. He's like so excited to get out of the car. And all of a sudden, the voices start getting softer and softer and softer and further and further and further away. And so he, as he was telling the story years back, he's like, you know, I was thinking, ha this is a really funny joke, right, that they're acting like they've forgotten me. And after a while, he realizes, hold on, this joke is going a little bit too long because they're not coming back to get me. And as time goes on and moment, moment become two moments and three moments and, and however long it goes, he realizes, you know what, I have been forgotten in the back of the trunk of this car. I don't know if you've ever felt like that before, but that's one of the worst feelings in the world, to be forgotten. You know, like uh, you're married and it's your 10th wedding anniversary or your first wedding anniversary and, and your spouse forgets that day and you're waiting all day long for, you know, whatever it is that they're going to do and, and nightfall comes and they go to sleep and you're like, oh my God, they have forgotten me, haven't they? That's one of the worst feelings in the world. And in Psalm 42, the psalmist here is relaying the experience of not just being forgotten by a friend, but this feeling of being forgotten by God. Like, God, where are you? This is, (laughs) okay, this is kind of funny. And then all of a sudden, funny moves to fatal and you realize he's not, it, it doesn't seem like he's coming to rescue me anymore. You ever feel forgotten by God? We talked about this a little bit last week, and we're going to pick up um, with where we left off, but I'm going to read the whole thing, Psalm 42, uh, verses 1 through 11, and we're just going to weave it, just one point, I think, just one point I want to make and and, and just try to illustrate in a way that hopefully we'll understand. But he, it says, for the director of music and the skill of the sons of Korah. So that means this is a, uh, a song of instruction. So the people of God would sing this song as a way of shaping their thoughts and shaping their emotions. This is what he says. He says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. 
My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is God's word. Um, I have always heard that you shouldn't uh, preach what you don't practice. And I've also heard that if you don't own it, don't quote it. And I hear this all the time, and um, that's really hard to do. My, one of my professors, preaching professors, said to me, you know what, if that were really true, you only preach what you practice, you only preach what you live, then there would be a whole lot less sermons preached, and they'll be a whole lot shorter than they are. Right? Maybe a Twitter, 140 words or less. That's all we practice, all we do. So that's one of the things that I try and, I try and do is to, to really understand what this text is trying to say, not only to y'all, but first of all, apply it to myself. And so I do that throughout the week, but particularly I try and do this on Saturday. I just really try and, and, and walk through these points and to pour through this text and to get it into my heart so that I understand it, so that I can preach it with a sense of conviction and integrity and authenticity. And if, I, if I'm having a hard time living it, then I will say so. And I'll say, this is difficult for me. I don't presume to live everything that I preach and to do it well. I don't. And so I really wrestle so that I could get this into my heart. And, and last night as I was preparing, um, I feel like sometimes God does this. Like he, he just really challenges me. And quite honestly, um, if you've ever read through the Old Testament prophets and you've read the book of Hosea, Hosea is a story of a prophet that God had anointed to preach the message of God's unconditional and faithful love to an adulterous people, to people who went and worshiped idols. And God's means of getting Hosea to understand what he was saying was for him to do, be a living illustration of the love of God for an adulterous people. And so God said, here's your wife, Gomer. She's going to be a prostitute. I want you to go and love her. I don't want you to love her and to love her and to love her as a picture of how much I love Israel. And I feel like last night, that's what God was trying to do to me. <laughs> he, he's one, I, trying to get this into me, but I felt like he was trying to get my heart and my life to be a place where I would be a living example of, of this feeling. Uh, from about 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock last night was probably one of the darkest nights of my soul. I don't know, I don't know exactly what it was. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was going into it, but... I just felt this, just the, the weight of oppression. It was a combination of a lot of things, but I just felt like this feeling like I was just being jumped by a bunch of demons. <laughs> and I wasn't seeing anything, but just the, 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 the sense of being disturbed within me and being discouraged and just this weight just oppressing me. And I felt like it wouldn't lift. And, and the only thing I knew to do, I mean, after I kicked and screamed, and I, I told Olive, you know, I wanted to do some really bad things last night, right? things that... Um, I told her what it is, and she's not going to tell you what it is, and I'm not going to tell you either, but um, bad things. I just felt like just this, this cloud of darkness over me. 
And I just felt really down in the dumps. And this is what I was feeling. Verse 5, why are you downcast, O my soul? And why so disturbed within me? And the only recourse I had was to go back to this passage. And I felt like that's what God was saying is, hey, get into this. Own it. Know it. Understand it. Live it so that you could breathe this and and deliver this. That's what they say when when preachers preach a sermon. They say sometimes you deliver a sermon, kind of like a a, a mother delivers a baby. This becomes so part of you that there's pain in the process of birthing it and giving it and, and delivering this message. And I felt like that's what this was, is God was just doing this work of, of, of breaking my heart in, in such a way that I just felt, in, in a sense, uh, what this psalmist was feeling. And I, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. And, and so I woke up this morning, and the one thing that I longed for was just to come into the presence of God with you guys and just to sing. I needed people to sing to me and to sing and to encourage me and to remind me that God is great. And I feel like that's what we did. And that's what he says in verse 4. That's what he remembers in the midst of these dark times, is he remembers worshiping and going with the people of God. And so I, um, I commend, obviously I didn't write this into my sermon, but I commend and give thanks to, to the Lord God for you guys who are here and to our praise team for leading us collectively and leading me into that place where uh, my soul could find 10,000 reasons again through you all um, to worship God. But some of the thoughts that I was thinking and some of the things that I was feeling was just um, just downright awful kinds of stuff. And you know, now and then I, I experience these kinds of, of feelings, and I, I think I know in my heart I've been trained and, and, and equipped to, to be able to fight these things, but um, there are times that I just, I mean, obviously I don't like being in that place. I don't like being there. I don't like when God uses my life as an illustration of here's how uh, people who are hurting and broken find hope in Christ, but he does. And I think that's just part of uh, the call that God has placed in, in each of our lives as part of the community. But as I was thinking through these things, it's, it's similar. This guy, is, he's feeling the same thing. And, and as I woke up this morning, I, I tried to steal some time before um, Elijah, before Manny woke up so that I could just be. And I just said, God, I just want one hour. I just want an hour just to be alone with you. God, just to, I just want to be with you. That's it. That's all I want. That's all I want. I don't need anything else. I don't want any of these other things. I just want to be with you. But my soul was longing for that. I knew that's what I needed. And that's how the psalmist begins, verse 1. He's like, that, that's, that's my longing. It's just as the deer pants for streams of water, I want to be in that place, God. And, and he walks through this, and he remembers the worship, and then he still feels downcast in his heart. And he says, this is overwhelming. It feels like this thing is going to overtake me. And then, and then he gets to verse 9. He says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go on mourning? And one of, the, one of the thoughts I want to put, I think that this, this is in your bulletin, but one of the thoughts I want to bring out here is a lot of times, um, a lot of times what we feel isn't the same thing as, as what is real. You know, the things that I was feeling in my heart, like just a bunch of lies and a bunch of oppression, things like, you know, you're, not, you're not good enough to do this. You can't do it. God's not going to forgive you. God's not going to use you. All kinds of lies like this. You know what I'm talking about, right? We face this all the time, don't we? I, I hope we do because somebody once said that if we don't face the devil, then it means we're walking in the same direction as him. I think we've all experienced this. Most of us have. These, these doubts that begin to creep up or God's not going to pull through for you or there are all of these things that we begin to think in our minds and, and that's, what I was, that's what I was being fed and that's what I was feeling. It's just this, this oppressive weight of all of these lies. And, and as I thought about these things, I realized that these are not things that are true. 
Right? These are not things that are true of me. These are not things that are true of God. These are not things that are true of the gospel. Right? We know how easy it is for us to feel that way, though, right? We feel these things, and, and so often in every other area of life, the same thing is true. What you feel is not always the same thing as what is real. One day you could be feeling fine, and the next day you could have a heart attack, right? We know that. Our feelings can be deceiving. Our feelings can lie to us. Right? We feel like, you know what, I don't, that, that person doesn't really like me, and then the next thing they, they come and they surprise us with this great gift, and they say, hey, you know, I love you. I just wanted to let you know. And a lot of times what we feel isn't the same thing as, as what's real. Right? We know this in every context of life, in every situation of life. And we go through these things, and, and that's one of the things that the psalmist constantly is, is telling us is, hey, um, feelings are deceiving, it's the word that's worth believing. Right? It's just these feelings that are always coming and going, and they're always deceiving us and always tricking us. And so what does the psalmist do? And this was the last point from last week, the third point. But what the psalmist does is he preached the truth, but he did it to himself. Okay, we talk a lot about how we need to speak truth to one another. But if you look at how in verse 5 and then in verse 11, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Who is he talking to? He's talking to himself. And that's why I, I love that, that song that we sing, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Because the, 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 the guy who writes this song, the psalmist, is fighting for that within his own heart. He's telling his own heart, you need to bless God because there are reasons to celebrate and worship God. No matter how dark the day is, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And it's in those moments where we feel like God has forgotten us. When we're, when we're praying to God and that cloud doesn't seem to lift, what else are we to think but that God's delay is the same thing as God's denial? What else are we to think when God's not yet comes down from heaven to us, but to think that he's saying no. But a lot of times, a lot of times, right, what we're feeling is not the same thing as what's true and what's real. And so we need to stand on the word of God, and that's why we need to preach the word of God to ourselves. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he's one of the greatest preachers, influenced so many of the great preachers of our day, uh, Keller, Piper, all these guys influenced by a man named Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he said, have you noticed that the great majority of the unhappiness in our lives is because we are listening to our feelings rather than speaking to our feelings? That is very insightful. You wake up in the morning. You ever have this feeling you wake up on the wrong side of bed, right? Why is that? I don't know why it is. Sometimes it just happens. But we begin listening to these feelings, saying today's going to be a bad day. Why is it going to be a bad day? What warrants us believing that it's going to be a bad day? That's just the way that we feel. Everything that we know as a child of God says it doesn't have to be a bad day. It's not going to be a bad day. But we're listening to our feelings, and so we move into a place of discouragement and doubt and unhappiness. Have you ever noticed that? Because we need to begin to preach to ourselves. We had a retreat a, a few, couple weeks back for our youth. And he's not here today, but we have a, one, of my, um, one of my best audience members, a sixth grader named Justin. Right? He's great. I was asking different people, hey, how was the retreat? How's the speaker? Is he connecting with you or jiving? And all these people say, oh, it was really good. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. I liked it. It was helpful. You know, I enjoyed it. And so I asked Justin, sixth grade, a very bright guy. Said Justin, hey, how'd you like the how'd you like the uh, speaker? You know, Pastor Jacob. He's like, man, that guy, he just lays it thick. I was like, what? 
So what, is that, what does that even mean? And so someone else asked him, uh, another one, as I, I told this story, I thought it was so funny. And so someone else asked, another counselor said, hey, what do you think? He's like, well, this one sermon, I don't know how else to say it, but he just lays it thick. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's great. So I asked him in that, that moment, that first moment, I said, um, do, Dustin, do you think I lay it thick? I just wanted to see what he said. He's like, I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> I said, it's cool. That's why you walk out every time, right? You got to get your thesaurus and try and figure out what's going on. But there's a, there's a reason why one person can say that was a great message, like changed my life. We've all experienced this, haven't we? Oh, that message changed my life. And another message, that same, a same, the same person can be another, well, that same message to a different person can just be like, oh, that was good. I said this before, but quoting Tim Keller, he says, difference between a good sermon and a bad sermon is, is, is the preacher. And if I preach the text and I, I lead you to Christ, I think I, that's a good sermon. If I don't do that, then that's a bad sermon. But the difference between a good sermon and a great sermon lies with you guys. Right? You know this, right? I could preach a good sermon, and Joey might think that's a good sermon, and uh, Pastor Albert might think that's a good sermon, but Lucy might say, you know what, that changed my life. Why? I think uh, uh, some of it is our heart preparation, but a lot of it is the situation in life that you're at. If I'm talking about Jesus being the one who heals all of our diseases and you're dying of some kind of a sickness, then that message will hit you a lot better than for someone who thinks they're the picture of perfect health. So if the situation of life and, and, and the relevance of that message to your particular situation of life is what turns a good sermon into a great sermon, then wouldn't it be amazing if every week you could hear a great sermon that was tailored just for you where the truth of God spoke into the exact situation that you needed to hear and it led you to Christ and it transformed your morning into dancing again. Wouldn't that be great? Here's the news that I have for you this morning. That every single one of us has that every moment of our lives. Did you know that you are the greatest preacher that your soul will ever know? That in any given moment, you know and the Spirit of God knows within you the very thing that you need to hear. When I feel discouraged, I could listen to a million sermons, but there's one sermon that's going to touch my soul more than anything else. It's the sermon that I will preach of the gospel truth into my own heart that's going to tell me how to overcome this discouragement and this darkness that I feel. Right? This is why he says, why are you downcast, O oh, my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. There is such value, people of God, in preaching the truth to yourself. Because there is no greater preacher in the world for your soul than you. Because you understand exactly what you need. And if you know the truth, you can apply that into your situation. I, I don't know if you remember hearing about this guy who was shopping at Publix. He was there, dad, on his way home, three, three-year-old son, um, just a rambunctious little guy. And he was just going crazy. So they're in the aisles, and the, the kid's like, oh, daddy, I want chocolate, I want chocolate. And he's grabbing all these and knocking them off the aisle. And, and dad's like, Billy, just calm down, calm down. Just a, a little bit more, and we're almost home. They got to the dairy section, and, and the kid is just, uh, just, uh, just a monster. And he's like yelling and screaming and kicking and all of these things. And he's shaking the shopping cart. And, and the dad's like, Billy, we're almost home. We're almost home. Just a little bit longer. A little bit longer. We're almost there. 
By the time he gets to the, uh, he gets to the cash, cash register, cashier, checking out, the kid, this three-year-old, is just ballistic. He's like a time bomb. He's just waiting to explode. He's starting to ooze. And, and, and dad is like, Billy, just, it's all good. We're going to be in the car, and everything's going to be okay. And that lady at the register looks at him, and she's like, oh, my gosh, I am, I am so amazed at how patient you could be with Billy. And the guy looks at the cashier, and he says, I'm Billy. My son's name is John. I'm just talking to myself. He understood. He understood something really important. That as we preach to ourselves, this begins to shape how we feel. It begins to shape a lot about. And, of course, I'm not saying that there aren't times where we need help and we need counselors, we need mentors and pastors. and I'm not saying that. But I am saying that we are missing out on a huge component of the biblical prescription for when we feel forgotten, when we feel complaining, when we're lamenting. He says, talk to yourself. How many times you see this in Scripture? Do this, oh, my soul. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Talk to yourself. Put your hope in Christ, oh, my soul. Constant admonitions and constant preaching that he's giving to his own soul. The psalmist is giving to his own soul to put their hope in the Lord God. You've heard this all the time, and this is what Billy understood, is that whenever you plant a thought, that's going to lead to an action. You know this, right? Look, look. you plant a thought in your mind, that's going to lead to an action. You plant an action long enough, that's going to become a habit. You plant a habit long enough, that's going to become your, des- uh, your character. And then you plant a, de- a character long enough, that becomes your destiny. You, you know this all the time. So here you go. You're feeling, you're feeling down in the dumps. You feel like you're praying and uh, prayers are hitting the ceiling. So what do you think? Okay, two ways of thinking. The first person thinks God has, God has abandoned me. God has left me. So that's the thought that you carry into worship. And so you don't want to sing songs of trust in God. You don't want to sing, God, I trust you. God, I love you. Because in your mind, you're thinking God has left you. There's no reason for you to sing. So in your mind, you plant that thought. And in your life, you reap that action. And I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to move towards God. I'm not going to do my devotion. You plant that action long enough of not going to God. That's going to become a habit. And you stop coming to church. You stop singing the songs of worship. All right, you plant that habit long enough, that's going to become your character. People are going to look and they're going to say, you know what? That person is a bitter, bitter and cynical person. They used to go to church, but no more. And then that becomes your destiny. And how quickly it all degenerates from the mind. Think about the person otherwise who says, you know what? I feel like I've been abandoned by God, but there's a promise of God's word that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we begin to plant that thought in our minds that if my God has never left me, then I'm going to move towards where he is. And as soon as I turn around, he's right there with me. And though I don't feel him, I know that the promise of God is there. Feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. The word of God, which never fails, is the only thing worth believing. And we stand on the truth of God word and say, I will move towards him. And we begin to plant this action even against feeling in accordance with the thought and the promise that God has never left us. And we're going to plant this action and plant this action. This becomes a habit that in good times and bad, I will go to God. In good times and bad, I will trust in the Lord. In good times and bad, I will sing the song even against what I feel. And that becomes your destiny and that becomes your character. And people will look at you and they will say, there's a man, there's a woman who's got a faith that's been refined in the fire that's worth far more than precious gold or silver. It all starts up here, people of God. We've got to win the battle for our mind, and we do this by preaching the truth to ourselves. Right? This is where it all begins. And it's the psalmist's prescription. And even at the end of the psalm, you realize he's not out of the, he's not out of the woods yet. 
He still feels, at the end of this thought, he still feels disturbed and downcast. But he says, I will continue to preach to myself. Put your hope in him. I will yet praise him. He is my savior. He is my God. And though he delays, he is coming. See, the fact of the matter is this psalmist wasn't the only one to sing this, and you and I are not the only ones who sing this. We join in the company of this psalmist as well as saints throughout time. Every saint throughout history has experienced these dark nights of the soul where we feel like God has left us. We feel like God has checked out. We feel like God has forgotten us. We feel like we've been abandoned by God. And the things that determine where we go, our destiny, is how will we respond to that? Are we going to listen to our feelings or are we going to speak to our feelings? Are we going to put our hope in our feelings or are we going to put our hope in the word of God, which is true and which is unshakable? One of our professors, Bruce Walke, used to say that the, the Psalms are basically nothing more than the prayers of Jesus Christ. And you read through all of these Psalms and you hear the ones that talk about the king being enthroned on high. That's the prayer of King Jesus you hear about the lamenting one, the complaining one, the hurting one, the oppressed one, the one who has been being uh, laughed at by his enemies. That's Jesus. You read Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You read about all of these things and you see that every one of these Psalms is the prayer of the King Jesus. And because it's his prayer as our representative, it becomes our prayer also. But the difference between Jesus, see Jesus saying this song, God, where are you? Why so downcast? Why so disturbed? God, where are you? And when Jesus Christ hung on the cross, the answer from the Father came a little bit too late in his mind. Yet on the third day, Christ would rise again from the dead. But the promise of Good Friday is this. God seemed to delay with Jesus so that when we pray this prayer honestly, he will never delay with us. That's why we can sing, my God, you will not delay, because his timing is always perfect. Jesus was abandoned at Calvary as a promise that you and I will never be abandoned in our lives, wherever we go. Jesus was forsaken and forgotten because he took the weight of sin, your sin and my sin, upon himself at the cross. So that we would never be cast out, so that we would never be thrown out, so that we could only know the eternal embrace of the Father if we put our faith in Christ. This is the hope that we have. Jesus prayed this honestly so that we could pray it honestly. We pray it honestly, but we don't pray it ultimately. Because on the other side of the cross, there's hope and there's encouragement and there's life and there's blessing. And so he tells us, speak the truth not only to each other, but preach it to yourselves to tell our souls to worship and to trust in him. Let's pray together. As we pray, one of the questions that it says in the bullet is a question that the psalmist asked, why so downcast, O my soul? Maybe some of us in here are feeling disturbed and downcast within us. The first question we can ask is why? If it's because of our own sin, that's not an issue that we need to get mad at God about. That's our issue that we need to confess before the Lord. As we come to the Lord's Supper right now, in a few moments, um, that's what God is saying to do. 
is if you're disturbed and downcast because of your own sin, right? Repent of that. Confess that to the Lord. Turn away from that so that grace might come, that you might find healing. Others of us may feel discouraged and, and downcast, and, and it's not because of sin. It's just the season that we walk through in this life. And the promise of God is that he's with you in those moments. He's with you in that time. And the cross reminds us once and for all that God has forever placed his seal of love over your heart by giving his one and only son to die for you. And not only that, the pledge of God's power over sin and sickness and darkness and discouragement is that he rose again from the dead to overcome the greatest enemies that we'll ever face. Does he come before the Lord God? Now, let's take a few moments as, as uh, the, the praise team plays behind us. Let's, let's pray that to the Lord God. Why are we downcast? Let's confess that to the Lord. And others, if you're not, let's just put our hope in God. Let's just begin to preach to ourselves, preach to our hearts the reasons why we ought to worship the Lord God and celebrate him. Let's spend a few moments in prayer right now as we continue to prepare our hearts for the Lord's table. Maybe uh, there are people. You know, we, we may not know. Let's just pray. Let's just pray for the people next to us right now. We just begin to pray for them. If you want to hold their hand, if you want to pat their back, whatever it is, let's just pray for them. In the, in the stillness of this place, let's just pray for them. Hey, Father, I don't know what they're going through, but maybe there's a dark place within their hearts that just questions and wonders and doubts. Lord, that you would minister to them. God, that you would help them to see you. And pray truth into their hearts and pray truth into their lives. Lord, that they would worship you. Lord, that they would hope in you. So let's pray. Let's pray as if the soul, as if the, as if the heart of the person next to us really depended on our prayer right now. Let's pray to the Lord God. Again, quietly, loudly, it's up to you, but let's pray for them. God, minister, may their faith not fail. May they put their hope in you, Lord Jesus. Let's pray for each other.
Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you so much that in the arms of a Savior, we can find the everlasting embrace that reminds us that we are never alone. And we thank you that your church is called the body of Christ through which we can receive the embrace of love as well. Father, may we never take for granted the truth and the promises of your word. May we never take for granted the community of saints. May our hearts not be hardened so that we move away from your church or move away from your truth, but continue to soften us with your spirit that we would win the battle for our mind, renouncing the lies, standing on the truth of your word. We pray, Father, that you would move within our hearts such a way that you would raise up people of promise, people of truth, speakers of truth to ourselves as well as to one another, as well as to the world. May we not uh, just bypass the things that are closest so that we might jump to the ends of the earth in preaching. Father, remind us that we need that probably more than anyone else. We love you because you've loved us first. You've shown that at the cross. May we drink deeply. May our hearts be moved by the wonder and the glory of it all. We thank you. We pray these things in